be talking about the importance of being a good father. So um, the first start off, uh, 2005, uh, I lost my father. Uh, he passed away after two transplants, liver transplants, uh, and they failed. He never drank a day in his life, um, but due to some circumstances, uh, he had to have a liver transplant too that failed. So during that time, I was 23, just graduated you know, from high school, going into college, um, in a time where you really need your father to kind of be an adult and bounce ideas off of, I didn't have it. And uh, I went through some identity crisis, um, went through some marriage issues, but um, God actually put some influences in my life that were a father figure in my life. Now, number one is, <laughs> which is awesome, I call him Daddy Mike. Uh, he's my father-in-law, which is great. He taught me uh, how a father is supposed to treat his daughter. Uh, and also Pastor Mitch. Uh, if it wasn't for him, I don't know where our marriage, I don't know where I would be spiritually if it wasn't for a father figure like him in my life. Also, um, I have Tony Hutton. He just recently started being like a father figure in my life. Uh, the biggest cheerleader of my life right now is Bo Durham right here. I'm telling you, give it up for him, man. Uh, He's been a spiritual father in my life, showing me what a true father is supposed to be like, um, a true man is supposed to be like, and also my Uncle David, which is my mom's brother. Um, he, was, he was there for me afterwards. He said, hey, I know your dad's not here. I'll never be able to replace your dad, but I'm gonna be here if you need anything. And so I'm really thankful for those godly influences in my life, and I, I really don't know where I would be without them. Um, so I'm going to be talking to, how many guys are sons? How many males? <laughs> all males should be a son. <laughs> I'm going to be talking to all the sons right here. I, I want to I share with you, I'm reading two books. Actually, I just finished this one right here, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. If you are a father, get this book. I'm going to be reading this probably at least 100 times in my lifetime to make sure that I'm a good father. And then also, I'm, I'm currently reading Wild at Heart, most incredible book ever. Um, but I'm going I'm, I'm to be taking some uh, excerpts from these books in my teaching today. So, Wild at Heart by John uh, Eldridge, it says, masculinity doesn't happen by accident. It's bestowed intentionally. A, learn, a man learns how to be a man by a man or in the company of other men. He can't learn it from any other place, other boys, or from the world of women. It has to be from a father figure in his life. So, it's very, very important that a son receive a blessing from the father. If you look in, in, in the Bible, every man was blessed by their father. Um, you know, the importance of it with, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob actually coveted his father's blessing so much that he deceived uh, Isaac into giving him, giving it to him in replacement of his brother. So masculinity also comes from a father affirming his masculinity. What I mean by that is like, if you're throwing a, a ball with your son and you're catching it and it's a nice throw, you say, hey son, that was, that was a nice throw, man. Uh, you know, and it affirms that son that, hey, you know what? I'm gonna throw even harder. If you're, if you're shooting basketball, man, I tell you what, you could be in the NBA one day. Guess what? He's gonna shoot better. He's gonna practice better. Once you affirm that masculinity, he's gonna try even harder. And also, if you affirm that he is your son. That means the world to a son, all right? So three points I wanna talk about sons, daughters, and fathers. Number one is Jesus learned to be a good, the God-man 
he was called to be by fellowship with his father. The heavenly father talks to Jesus. So Matthew three seventeen says, and a voice from heaven said, this is the father. He says, this is my son, my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. So you think, man, Jesus came to earth. He was God. But guess what? He had to have affirmation from his heavenly father to do what he was called to do. You never thought about that, huh? Jesus needed his father. And he set a good example of that relationship. So in John 5, 19 through 20, it says, so Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. Now, John 5, 30 says, I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. So number two is Paul mentions Titus as a spiritual son. Titus 1, 4 says, I am writing to Titus, my true son in faith that we share, my May God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Savior, give you grace and peace. So some of you may not have physical sons or physical daughters, but you have spiritual sons and spiritual daughters. I'm talking to you right now. And you may know who you influence. Uh, and, and these principles that I'm about to talk about are very important for you to implement into your life. Number three, in a similar way, daughters get their validation from their fathers. Um, like I was talking about, this, this book right here, is amazing. Um, it also, uh, the, the, the author, Meg Meeker, she has 30 years of practice pe- uh, pediatric and adolescence medicine and counseling teens. And so she's seen a lot of mess over the years. And so she wrote this book as an instruction manual to fathers. Um, and so this is the excerpt. It says, and I've watched daughters talk to fathers. When you come into the room, they change. Everything about them changes their eyes, their mouths, their gestures, their body language. Daughters are never lukewarm in the presence of their fathers. They might take their mothers for granted, but not you. They light up or they cry. They watch you intensely. They hang on to your words. They hope for your attention. And they wait for it in frustration or in despair. They need a gesture of approval and not of encouragement or even a simple eye contact to let them know you care and are willing to help. When she's in your company, your daughter tries harder to excel. When you teach her, she learns rapidly. When you guide her, she gains confidence. If you fully understood just how profoundly you can influence your daughter's daughter's life, you'll be terrified, overwhelmed, or even both. Boyfriends, brothers, even husbands can't shape her character the way you do. You will influence her life because you, because she gives you the authority she gives no other man. Woo! Puts a lot of pressure. And I'm telling you, it, 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 it makes me feel more of a man. When I read this, I'm like, man, I got the power. I mean, I can actually influence my daughter's life. <laughs> that was not scripted at all. <laughs> all right, so let's go to 12... I'm not going to mention how many things. You didn't hear that. I got some things I want to t- talk to you about how to be a good dad. Number one, your lifestyle is like a recommendation letter to your child. Second Corinthians 3, 2 through 3. 
Paul talks about the only letter of recommendation we need is yourselves. Your lives are a letter written in our hearts. Everyone can read it and recognize our, recognize our good work among you. Clearly, you are a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. Let this letter is written not in pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It is carved on, not on tablets of stone, but on the human hearts. So how many of you guys have ever written a recommendation letter either to, for a job, for somebody to go to school? I'm writing them, I've probably written a hundred for my students, for people to come to, you're a pastor, I haven't seen you in three years, but here, can you recommend me? I'm like, okay. So, you know, if you write a recommendation, recommendation letter to approve and stamp saying, hey, this person is who they say they are. So what we don't realize, fathers, is we are a recommendation to the relationship of Jesus Christ and relationship of the Father, saying, you know what? God is who he says he is. He's been out in my life, and I've experienced that in my life, so I want you to experience this, okay? So fathers, you literally represent a relationship with God to your children. That's why it's so important that we live our lives with Christ in the center of it. And if we don't, we're only going to repeat the problems in our family's history. That cycle, is, that cycle of curse is going to keep going and going and going and going. All right? Number two, provide relationally as well as materially for your family. Second Thessalonians 3.10, it says, Even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those, who un, those unwilling to work will not eat. Plain and simple. You don't work, you ain't going to eat. <laughs> No matter what the government says. First Timothy 5, 8. Did I say that? But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. Worse than unbelievers. Even, believer, even unbelievers are working. If you don't work and you don't provide for your family, now I, I'm, going to pe- I'm, I'm talking to people that can work and decide not to. I'm not talking about people that are disabled and cannot do that. I'm talking about people who can work and choose not to and live off the government, all right? So providing goes further than just paying the bills or putting food on the table, okay? As fathers, it's our responsibility to make sure our family is provided for in every area of life, financially, emotionally, mentally, and most importantly, spiritually, that's a lot of responsibility on us. So if we're, if we're looking to manufacture these abilities to care for our family on our own, we're looking in the wrong direction. We need to be looking up and to the Father, okay? I know many fathers who have taken care of their families financially. You know, their, their kid goes off to college. Hey, which college would you want to go to? I'll pay for it in cash. You want a car? You messed up that, that one I just gave you, that Mustang or... Whatever, hey, I'll buy you a new one. They're there for them financially, but they're always at work. They're mentally gone. Whenever, they, whenever the father comes home, they checked out, and their family is con- in complete turmoil. So let me just say, financially, it's only one of the things that you need to be providing for your family, all right? Number three, provide discipline for your children, all right? You cannot be your kid's friend all the time. I meet a lot of teenage parents, not now, because you guys, all of my teenage parents are awesome right now. But I'm just saying in the past, 
I had to say that. Because you are. I got some great parents right now. But I have seen the pattern of parents trying to be that, that teenager's friend. I don't know how to deal with them, so I guess I'll just be their friend. And they don't have any guidelines. They don't discipline. They don't take anything away from them. And they live a life craving discipline. They don't realize, kids don't, teenagers don't realize, and kids don't realize they are craving boundaries in their life. And we have to provide that. In uh, Proverbs 13, 24, it says, those who spare the rod, spoil that child, of discipline, hate their children. Hate their children. Those who love their child or children care enough to discipline. So, with me and Avalyn, Avalyn is my little girl. She is four and a half years old. It's crazy to think that. Um, whenever she does something wrong, first of all, like, I, you know, I, sure, I make sure that I cool down. Because <laughs> you never want to, that's my next point, don't ever react in anger. Don't ever discipline in anger. I have some time to cool down. My, my mom used to always say, go up and prepare for your spanking. Basically, that was her chance to cool off. But hey, I heeded that advice. I went up, put like 12 pairs of underwear on. I prepared. I obeyed my mom. She didn't know this until I became an adult. She was wailing on Man. <laughs> it hurts. Okay, so make sure that wasn't scripted either. So make sure that you have time to cool off. Do not ever discipline in anger, all right? Um, always make sure that you tell your child that you love them. Always sit down with her face to face and say, Avalyn, I love you. I love you so much. And I actually go through this verse. It says, I say, God tells me that if I don't discipline you, I actually don't care for you. I, actually, I don't go into hate. That's just, uh, for a four-year-old, that's a, that's a lot to take in. But it's like, it just, I'm not doing my job. Job, basically, God has given me a job to, 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 to be your father. And if I'm not doing my job right, God's gonna hold me accountable. I know you don't really understand this. She's crying and stuff. And after I discipline her, I hug her. I carry her in my arms and I hug her and I said, I love you, Evelyn. I love you so much. It's okay, daddy. You know, and she doesn't understand. But I always affirm her and let her know, you are my daughter and I love you with all my heart. I'm doing this for your benefit. You will learn in the future that this is good for you, okay? All right, if you have a problem with uncontrolled anger, if you're, if you're disciplining and you're issuing out discipline and anger and you say things that you regret or do things that you regret, get that under check. Talk to somebody, all right? Have somebody you're accountable to, all right? Here's what I do. I actually talk to my wife first. So either my wife talks to me first and she's like, what is wrong with you? Is this something at work? You've been like, you're just grumpy, are you talking to Avon this way? And, and then, you know, I, I talk to her about it. I talk to spiritual mentors. I talk to Mira a lot. <laughs> she is, she's one of my spirit. And I talk to Pastor Mitch a lot. I talk to my, my spiritual friends that, that were keeping each other accountable. I, I speak to them. But I'll, I mean, I make sure that I talk to my wife first and foremost. And she is a, she's a natural born counselor. She always finds the root of why I'm acting the way I am. And either I have to repent to my wife or to my child. So you make sure that you do not discipline in anger. And if you have a, if you have a problem with doing that out of anger and losing your, your, your control, talk to somebody, get some help, okay? Um, number four, do things with your children that they will never forget, all right? Make memories 
with your children, fathers. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9 says, And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk to them when you are at home. You got to be home. You got to be home. And when you are on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're, you, you get it. So when you are with your children, really be there mentally. Now, the Holy Spirit actually pricked my heart about a month ago. When I came home, I would always take, I don't even have my phone with me. That's fine. I would have that thing with me and I would get home and I would take work home. And I would get on and I would text, I'd be doing email, I would be calling. And the Holy Spirit said, when you get home, I want you to take this watch off. I want you to take this phone. I want you to put it, I want you to eat dinner. I want you to focus on your child. I want you to focus on your family. This can wait. So when you're home, be there mentally, be there physically. Because I know how it is. You can be there, but not really be there. And everybody knows it around, okay? Um, seek to be in the moment with them, not preoccupied, preoccupied by, other, by other things. Uh, let's see. Be the one that has those deep heart-to-heart conversations with your children. Talk to them about, uh, you know, things that are going on at school. If they had a hard day, say, hey, you want to tell dad about that? You know, how did you react to that certain person that treated you that way? Did you, oh, you know what? Let me just show you. This is the way to properly handle that situation. Uh, tell them stories about your own childhood and experiences that you've had that you can connect well with your children, okay? Um, so that they can kind of understand you. I would say also, me and my dad, before he passed away, we'd always make a point to meet at Bojangles on Saturday morning at 8 o'clock in the morning just have dad talks. And I missed that. I thought about this morning while I was just kind of going over my sermon. I was like, man, it, it was priceless. Those conversations were priceless. Schedule regular conversation times that you set aside for your children to really connect with them. Um, have a time each day just before maybe bedtime or early in the morning that you have those real conversations. In the morning, I'm having my devotions downtown, uh, down, downstairs, like sometimes outside on the porch. And I, I just hear that door open and I know it's not Lindy because she doesn't wake up that early. But my, my little girl is just like me. I'm a morning person. So she comes out and she connects with me in the morning. I'll, uh, she crawls up in my arm like, hey, did you have any dreams? Hey, you know, what's going on with you? And we had that connection in the morning. And at night is mommy time because mom's a night owl. And so we have our times where we connect. And also I make a point every Friday that me and my little girl have a daddy-daughter date. I'll take her out to the park. I'll take her, you know, whatever it is. And she always says, daddy, is tomorrow? Is tomorrow our daddy-daughter date? Is tomorrow our daddy-daughter date? And she cannot wait for that. She knows that that's coming. That's me and her connecting. So make sure that you have that, that daddy-daughter date or that man and son time where you can hang out, throw some ball, do something manly together. Make it a point every week to connect with your child. Okay. Number five, consider yourself their first teacher. Proverbs 22, 6, it says, direct your children onto the, the right path, and when they grow older, they will not leave it. Don't let the public school system be the first teacher of your, of your kids' lives. Guess what? There's no Bible, there's no Christianity that's being taught by teachers in the Christian school system, okay? Um, make, public school system, I'm sorry. There is, <laughs> he's like, our kids go to private school. So, but even, okay, let me just say that even in private school, there are kids that are not Christians that go to Christian schools. Trust me, I learned some crazy things in a private school. 
I'll just go there. And I've learned some crazy things in youth ministry that I grew up in. So you have to have that mother and father teaching you, being that first teacher in your life, okay? Setting that example, setting those, those Christian principles in your life. To take advantage of every circumstance you, you can talk to about the right and wrong way to talk, relate to others, and handle problems, etc. okay? Number six, six, be compassionate and tender, all right? I know that's kind of hard for a man to be, you know, to even think about, I gotta be tough, gotta be, I can't be tender. Let me just talk to you what a real man is all about. Psalms, let's go to, let's go to the real father of all fathers. Psalms 103, 13. It says, the Lord is like a father to his children. What does it say up there? Tender and compassionate. So if, if you're distant, you're angry, you're, you know, you're stern, you may, all the time, you may be reproducing the way your father treated you. And you're like, this is the only example I've ever had. So this is what a real man is supposed to be like. This is what a father is supposed to be. He's supposed to be stern. Supposed to listen to me. And no, it says, you know what? There, there is a place for that. There's a time for you be, to be upset, stern. And there's also a time to be tender and loving and compassionate. Okay? Um, put your arm around your child when they're, when they're having a hard day. You may not know exactly what to say. You know, with a girl, you have no idea. Trust me. I know. <laughs> Deal with two girls every day. This emotion's connected. This emotion, I'm just like, come here. Just let me hug you. I'm here for you. And sometimes I don't have the right words to say. But just the fact that I am there for her saying, hey, I'm here to listen to you. And asking the Holy Spirit to give me words of wisdom to speak to my daughter and to speak to my wife. That's what it's all about. Just being there. Being compassionate. Um, let's go to strong father, strong daughter's quote. Page 51. Uh, a daughter identifies easily with her mother, but you are a mystery to her, talking to the fathers. You are her first love. So the early years of your relationship with her are crucial. The love you give her is her starting point. You have other loves in your life, but she doesn't. Every man who enters her life will be compared to you. Every relationship she has with a man will be filtered through the, her relationship with you. If you have a good relationship, she will choose boyfriends, who will treat her well. If she sees you as an open and warm, open and warm, she'll be confident with other men. If you're a cold and unaffectionate, she'll find, she'll find it in hard, she'll find it hard to express love in a healthy way. And she'll find that one guy that's taking advantage of her, that's showing her affection and will take advantage of her and will totally ruin her life if you don't become that compassionate, loving dad that you need to be, okay? Number seven. Uh, be a man of your word. Be a man of your word. Do what you say and say what you do. All right? If you say you're going to do something, follow through with, with it. Trust me. Children, always remember everything that you say and every promise that you make. If you can't make a promise, if you can't fulfill that promise, do not say it. Okay? James 1.22, it says, but don't just listen to the word, God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. All right? So remember also, kids are learning the word of God and victory kids. Kids are learning the word of God and victory youth. So let me just let you know, when you get home, they're gonna be possibly calling you out on something. You're like, Dad, I just learned this. And victory, you ain't doing what they said, the Bible's saying. Let me just let you know, God doesn't say that. God doesn't react the way you're doing and the words you're saying. So just let me know, if you're not building yourself up in the word of God, 
and you're not building yourself, your personal relationship with God, guess what? Your kids will call you out on it, <laughs> okay? Trust me, I know. Um, you always have eyes watching you. How do you react to things? Do you want your children to be the same way you are? They only model what they see. The other day, I was doing something. I was turning on the TV, and out of nowhere, <laughs> it didn't make any sense. Like, Avalon said, dang it. And I had to look back. I was just, what'd you say? He said, dang it. <laughs> and I was like, Avalon, you don't, you don't say it. And Lindy looks at me and says, you say it. And I was like, it sounds so much worse coming out of your, your kid's mouth. Then you're like, Daddy can, no, Daddy shouldn't say that. And, she, and you, when she was two years old, she, she, she said, cap, cap, ah, cap. And I was just like, what is it? And she, Lindy's just like, she's saying, C-R-A-P. And I was like, oh, I got to get that out of my vocabulary. Because they only model what they see and hear. The other day, I was swinging, we were swinging out on the porch, me, Evelyn, and Lindy just sitting there rocking, and I just turn around, and I go, Phew, and I spit, not thinking about it, unconsciously, five seconds later, Phew, boom, loogie right in front of me. I was like, that was pretty good. I was actually pretty impressed. But then Lindy looks, she's like, you better stop. I was like, Avalyn, that's not very ladylike. You can't, you can't do that. And I, I didn't have to say anything, but I, they, they only repeat what they see and they hear, okay? And I actually told Lindy, I was like, man, I'm so glad she did that because I'm using that on Sunday. So <laughs> when you do not, this is something um, also I want to say, when you do not follow through with your promises, there's a development of distrust with your children. So later in life, they may have trouble trusting their heavenly father because of unfulfilled promises by their earthly father. Because all, you always represent that heavenly relationship. So if, if the pa- if pastor's saying, you know what, the promises are in God's word that you are healed in Jesus' name. In the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, there was promises by my dad that weren't fulfilled. What makes you think that God is gonna be any different? So you develop that mistrust with God through that earthly father. So if you have misplaced trust, just know that God is, is somebody that you can trust. You can put everything into. You can put all your hope in God. He will never fail you. He will, what he promises will come true in your life, okay? Next is don't make your children angry by the way you treat them. Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So sometimes we get so angry at our kids that they, you know, they're acting up or they're acting just like you. And you're like, I hate that. But you're so frustrated. And then you know their buttons because you know your own buttons and you start poking for some reason because you're so frustrated. And guess what? It only, it only gets worse. That's why the Bible talks about don't provoking your kids. Okay? Because sometimes they act just like you and you're frustrated. Number nine, love their mother. Amen. Love their mother. How you love their mother sets the stage of how a man treats his future wife and other women. How you love their mother will let your daughter and son know how to, how to, how to street, treat their future spouse or their future spouse should treat them. And this goes for divorced families as well. Don't talk about your, you know, the mother behind their back, okay? Because honestly, that's setting the stage 
of deceit maybe in the future, okay? You don't have to be passionately, you know, in, because that has, has separated, but you need to be respectful towards the mom, okay? All right? Number 10, don't give up on your children, all right? You guys know the story of the prodigal son, Luke 15, 20 through 24. I'm not going to read it because of time. We got the prodigal son that kind of made a mess of his life. He comes back and he's thinking, man, I'll just be a servant in my dad's home. And his, his father is very wealthy. His servant's all over the place. And he's like, well, if I can just come back and crawl back, maybe my dad will let me be a servant. So if you read the whole verse, he actually, uh, even through his rebellion and stubbornness and failures, this verse actually uh, says in verse 21, he was filled with love and compassion. It goes back to that compassionate, loving father. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Our God is so full of love and compassion. He will never give up on us, and we should never be giving up on our children as well. Even though they're running so hard away from God, maybe even they're running so far away from a relationship with us, Always pursue them, never give up on them, always, which leads to my next point, always pray for your children, no matter what. Let's go to Second uh, Chronicles 29, 19. David praying over Solomon. Second Chronicles 20, 19 says, give my son Solomon the wholehearted desire to obey all your commands, laws, and decrees, and to do everything necessary to build this temple for which I have made the prep, these preparations. So every, I mean, you saw David praying over his son, okay? We should be praying over our children every single day. They should actually see us and hear us praying over them. They need to know that they have a father that has their back. Every night, I'm, you know, me and Lindy actually take turns and I'm, <laughs> most of the time, she's in, Evelyn's in the bed Lindy's right beside her. I'm laying like right here. I'm half, I'm so tired. But we take turns praying for, for, for Evelyn. I want Evelyn to hear her mother praying over her. I want, her. I want Evelyn to hear her father praying over her and just praying in general that we have a lifestyle of prayer. In the morning before I leave, I'm praying, I'm pleading the blood of Jesus over Evelyn and Lindy. She sees me laying hands on her and just touching her and praying over her. If she has any ailments, daddy got a boo-boo, let's pray for it. That's our natural reaction is prayer. All right, and also, oh, I love this. Um, pray and confess scripture over your children every day. How many guys know about Joe McGee? You guys know Joe McGee? Family guy, he comes here. Amazing, amazing guy. But he has these scripture cards. How many guys have the scripture cards? If you don't get them on the website, they have been so vitally important in, in, uh, in me being a father. I have them on the side and right before we go to bed, I pick them up, and this is, I am, you know, basically it's confession scriptures. You're confessing something, and on the back is the scripture. So it's super easy. So you say, okay, I am a conqueror. I am a da-da-da-da. And th- then on the back, it actually has a scripture, and I start reading it. So every single day, Evelyn is confessing scripture over herself, and then I am confessing scripture over her, over her as well. So... Make sure you do that every day, whether it be through a confession cards or you can take your note cards. Start writing some inspirational scriptures that you want to see your daughter or your son fulfill in their life, okay? Because our words that we speak speak life and they also can speak death. 
All right, if they're always hearing negative stuff on what they can't do, guess what? They're gonna be that. If they hear that they're more than a conqueror through, through Christ, they can do anything through Jesus Christ, guess what? They're gonna strive for the stars, all right? So I'm gonna close. Um, man, I went through 12 points, y'all. I did not think I could do that. Woo, thank you, Jesus. <sighs> oh, I'm sorry, I didn't do the last one. I did 11. I got one more point. And then I got some action points I wanna let you guys know about too. So number 12, not done yet. Live a life that cannot be accused of wrongdoing. All right, so 1 Timothy 3, 2, it says, so a church leader, and this is talking about leaders, but this is a perfect example of what a father should be. So a church leader must be a man who, whose life is above reproach. He must be, a faithful, be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home and he must be able to teach and be teachable. I kind of added on to that. Um, so live your life in a way that is above reproach. There's certain standards in my life that I just, I don't cross. I don't have any, uh, you know, opposite sex. They're never in my car by themselves. I never, you will never see me driving off with a girl right next to me unless it's my wife. There's a certain standards. I don't, I, if I close the door in my office, I'm talking, there's a window that's always there for, for accountability. I never, I, I'm, I'm always texting. If I'm texting, I'm always have, I always have uh, Lindy text tagged in, in my conversations if it's with another woman. Um, she's in the room. I make sure that I, I have accountability to my wife, okay? And I'm faithful to her, okay? And if there's anything in my life that I'm struggling with, I take it to her. She's my, she's my go-to person, okay? And that should be that. And also, you need to go to God about everything, all right? If you're having some struggles, ask the Holy Spirit. Ask, ask a spiritual mentor. Ask church leadership. Ask, you know, look around and say, hey, man, who's a good dad that I can be under? I, I'm horrible. I need some help. Guess what? God, has, God will put people in your life to help you, just like he put in my life. I'm telling you, I wouldn't be the dad, and I'm totally not perfect, but I would be a horrible dad if it wasn't for good examples in my life. All right, I got some action points I want you guys to know about. Number one, you may be thinking, man, my daughter is 40. My daughter is 20. I am like, it's way too late. No, it's never too late. Number one, it's never too late to start being a good father, no matter how old you are. You can start making things right today, having those crucial conversations, having those, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be that way growing up. I, you know what? I failed as a dad and I'm, I'm repenting to God. I'm asking God to help me to be a better dad from this day forward. Number two, ask God to help you in areas of weakness. If you see weakness or things that you're not doing that you need to start implementing in your life, pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit to help you. He's the ultimate helper. Number three, get some resources to help you become a good father. I mean, I, I would say get these two books right here to start off with, men. These, this book right here has changed my life. It's changed the way I have a relationship. I think about every conversation that I have with Avalyn now. And if I have a son or a daughter in the future, I'm gonna be going right back through this, okay? And also, I'm, I've been starting this, all of our, <laughs> some of my spiritual friends have started this book right here and inspired me to start reading this. And dude, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I think I'm on ch uh, chapter three and it's already mind-blowing. And you're, th you're wondering, man, am, Am I supposed to be this manly? Am I, am I normal? This will let you know that you're normal. <laughs> okay? All right? 
Uh, and my last point, you guys can come on in. Yeah. Number four, look for friends at church who can help you be a better father. Start gleaming from good fathers in the church and meet, them, meet with them on a regular basis to help you become a better father.